Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. First Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8 and 9. The children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, for he will save us out of the hand of that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord, God of Israel, and the Lord heard him. I want to talk to you this morning on reclaiming the lost art of lament. Reclaiming the lost art of lament. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, as we begin in this message, I state very clearly how much I need you. How much I need your anointing, Lord, to express what you have placed in my spirit. And let it, Lord God, be touched in the hearts of your people today. And we're going to believe you, God, for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Reclaiming the lost art of lament. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. To understand where we're going... In this message, let me catch you up on the historical context within the story. The Ark of the Covenant had been captured and was in the custody of the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. Remember now, the Ark of the Covenant represented the place where God's presence would abide. And it represented that point where God and man made a spiritual connection between heaven and earth. It wasn't God but it represented his presence. They took the ark, the the Philistines did, and set it up in their pagan temple next to their idol god, Dagon. The next day, old Dagon has fallen over and his face is planted right towards the earth. They set him back up next to the ark of the covenant. The next day, when they come back, The Bible says early in the morning they came back, probably to see what had happened to their their God. And their God, Dagon, had fallen over again. And this time, both hands had been cut off, knocked off, and the head had been cut off. Just knocked over like my water right there. Isn't that great? So they had had this going on. Their, Their idol God had fallen over. His hands were cut off. His head was cut off. And to make matters worse, God sends a plague among the Philistines because they had elevated the concept their God is equal to Jehovah. They had put him in the place where Dagon is on equal ground with Jehovah. Well, that didn't last. And so the Lord sent a pandemic of, the Bible says, emrods, or bleeding emrods, if you please. The Aramaic says, he smote them in their posteriors so that they were affected with dysentery. 
I'm going to let your mind just go there for a little bit. But let me just say, God sent a pandemic of hemorrhoids. Horrible, awful, ugly hemorrhoids. Now, at this time, they got their God is falling over. They're being killed by these, this pandemic that hits them. And so the folks here at the temple area of, of Dagon is saying, we need to get this out of here. So the ark has to leave. So they take the ark and they move it to, from Ashdod to Gath. And then Gath all of a sudden starts having the plague themselves. And so they move the ark from Gath to Ekron. And the Ekronites cried out and saying, they have brought about the ark of God of Israel to us to slay us as our people, to slay our people. So the Ark of the Covenant was in the country of the Philistines only seven months. And in seven months, everybody, the Bible tells us that everyone either died or had the pandemic. I don't know about you, I'd be thinking about getting rid of that Ark. And the Philistines, they got together and said, we need to do something about this ark. We need to get it away. We thought we were winning the victory by capturing the ark, but now we need to get it out of here. So they put the ark on a new cart, loaded it down with jewels, tied two milk mama milk cows to the ark that had never had a yoke on them and turned them loose, left their calves in the stall and turned them loose to see where they would go. Amen. The two mama milk cows left their cows and headed straight towards Judah. The Bible says, and the kind took the, took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left and the the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Beth Shemesh. Those cows had more sense than the Philistines, but they also had more sense than all of Israel. The men in, in Beshemis opened up the ark and looked inside of it, and 50,000 of them died. So they passed the ark to the people of uh, Kerjath-Jerim. They, they, they said, we don't want the ark. This is God's people now saying, we don't want the ark, so we want to take it to the uttermost limits of our borders. So they put it in Kerjath-Jerim. The ark stayed in the house of one Eleazar to keep the ark safe. Amen. I, I, want, to, I want to know who signs up for the job that this thing is responsible for Dagon being destroyed and everybody in the Philistines having a, a plague upon them and, and the people of Beth Shemesh, 50,000 of them died. Let's say, let's bring this in. I don't know about you, I'd be, I'd be a little concerned. But it stayed under Eleazar's care for a good while in this place. We, we, we wonder then why was the ark stolen in the first place? The book of Samuel opens with Eli serving as both the high priest and the judge of Israel. The last verse of the book of Judges summarizes the spirit of that generation. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So why was the 
ark taken and what was going on? Well, look at the spiritual climate of that day. They had a spirit of moral relativism. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Oh, it may be sin for you, but it's not sin for me. It's not sin. It's just simply an alternative lifestyle. The Word of God, you know, it needs to get more relevant. The Word of God and the preaching and the worship and the teaching needs to get more relevant to the times. You know, so I, I, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. The people have forgotten the Lord. The Bible tells us that the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial because they knew not the Lord. They knew not the Lord. In the New Testament, tells us about a time, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. They have forgotten God, and so the spiritual climate is one of moral relativism. I'm going to do what is right to me. It doesn't matter what my neighbor thinks or what my uh, law thinks. I'm going to do what is right to me. So that is the condition of the time. Also, their worship had become polluted. The priests tampered with, the, with and robbed the sacrifices before they had a chance to get to the altar. They were stealing sacrifices on the way to the altar of worship. What many today calls worship is nothing more than flesh stealing the sacrifice before it gets to the throne of glory. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 17 says that, that the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. God will not accept a worship that is without sacrifice. Amen. We'll take the sacrifice to ourselves. We'll have a surrogate kind of worship. I want what's mine first before I give it to God. This form, amen, is godliness without power. It's fashion without fire. Amen. We often get hung up on the debate of the style and the song of worship. But I want to tell you, worship is predicated upon the sacrifice that comes with it. It is predicated upon the sacrifice that comes with it. So they're doing what is right in their own mind. They're still in the sacrifice before it gets to the altar. And the Bible tells us that the, during this time that the word of the Lord was precious in those days, for there was no open vision. Revelation was missing because the word was missing. We are blessed to live in a time when the Bible has, has we can get Bible resources everywhere. Amen. There's been more preaching in the pandemic on social media than ever has been preached. The problem today is not the lack of resources. The problem today is not the lack of preaching. The problem is not the emergence of compromise and even false doctrine. Amen. The, the difficulty today is that we don't carry the word of God as something as precious. The word of God ought to be precious to us. We need to love this book. It's the only thing that's going to get us through in this generation. So they were doing what's right in their own eyes. They were still in sacrifice and they did not value the word of God. Here's what else is going on. There's a sex scandal going on in the church 
in the temple. Eli's son, Hophni and Phinehas, were known as the sons of Belial, good-for-nothing, worthless, worthless men. They didn't have a relationship with God. But the Bible tells us in verse 22 of chapter 2 is that they lay with women at the assembly of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. What are they death? They had no self-government. They had no restraint. They were a lover of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Lewdness and debauchery had become a norm. And we, we see the issue that is going on today with us with this like like sexual action things have become a god to people we also see another problem in this time the leadership was out of order eli did not provide firm correction against his sons he allowed his sons to pass on and go by even though the wickedness was underneath his very eyes the sons of Eli were rebellious and unsubmitted and callous toward authority and Eli just winked at it and went on I want to tell you something is wrong when performance is more important than the holy presence of God when being a seeker friendly church is preferred above being a God-seeking church. When worldly relevance is traded for divine revelation, something is out of order. When traditions are cherished above the word of God, they went on with their sacrifice, they went on with their work, but God had left them. Israel was out of order in their leadership. They had a blatant, blatant lack of self-control. Their worship had become polluted and the word of God had become devalued. Is it any wonder that God said, I'll allow the Philistines to come in and steal the ark? This is the backdrop of a nation that is in turmoil. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2. After all this is going on, all right, and it came to pass while the ark abode in Kerjath Jerim, that the time was long. It was about 20 years. All the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. The people of the Lord had been disconnected from the presence of the Lord for 20 years. 20 years without consistent worship. 20 years of a dismantled tabernacle. 20 years without open revelation. 20 years without true leadership. 20 years of silent dark history. 20 years of people seeking further and further into idolatry and further and further under the rule of the Philistines. 20 years of the ark being separated from the the other sacred things. You see, they put the ark in Kerjath Jerim, which is not in the center of the country like Jerusalem, but it was at the edge of the country. I want to tell you, we're living in a time where those have put God on the end. Out there somewhere in the far, he's not center and circumference. Amen. And so what does Israel do? Something gets into their heart and they begin to lament. Amen. They begin to feel a, an intense sadness that their ark is missing, that the presence of God is missing. The word lament means feeling an intense sadness that is expressed by lifting up one's voice, by crying out loud, by expressing it. Like a rebellious child who watches his father turning away in anguish as he has done something so horrific and horrible that he turns away, but something grabs the child and says, Oh, Dad. Oh, Father. Oh, Dad. 
God, I need to be reconnected to you. I need to have restoration. I need to get back to where I ought to be. I want to tell you one of the things that our world is battling right now and all that we see around us is a church that is lacking the understanding of lament. Israel wept and cried out, we need our worship complete. We need to be healed. We need the word back in our pulpits. We need the tabernacle to be complete and not divided. We need the tabernacle to be holy. We want there to be integrity behind the pulpit. We want there to be integrity in the pew. We want our ark back. And they lament about it. They didn't just flippantly talk about it. They didn't post it on social media and say, ooh, let's do something. What do you think we want to do? I don't know. We'll post about it. That helps. I'm going to just sidebar for just a moment. It amazes me the people that think that they have posted something makes them such a good person just because they wrote it down. My question is, to the church anyway, is are we weeping about it? How many hours have we put in prayer alone when nobody sees? How many times have we fasted and pushed away the meal? Amen. What God wants a church is not a church that is surfaced in its understanding of revival, but rather lamenting, amen, for the condition of our world, for the condition of our people, for the condition of where we are. Lamenting is turning back to God and saying, oh God, how far I'm coming after you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you. This is why Friday night is so important. It doesn't matter necessarily who shows up, but if the true people of God show up, if you show up, and if I show up, and we plant our face to the ground, and we begin to call upon the Lord, oh God, would you send the ark back? Lord, would you send revival back? Lord, would you send a Holy Ghost move back? Lamenting does, does not only just mean crying and wailing, but it means I'm crying and wailing because I want to remain loyal. I want to keep close. I want to affirm my association. I want to lament because I want my relationship with God to be what it ought to be. Somewhere in those 20 years is hidden a man in the debris of the tabernacle. It's a man that will be the prophet to help lead them into the place of restoration. I want to tell you, somewhere hidden in this psycho world we're living in is a young person that God is grooming right now that will be a voice for their generation. God is grooming some young man or some young woman that's going to stand up and say oh let's return to God. Let's return to God. Let's return to God. Amen. Samuel was hidden in the debris of a messed up tabernacle and a dysfunctional church but I want to tell you God had him in the right place. Hallelujah. And so they lamented. They lamented to Samuel and they said, come on Samuel, help us. In verse 3, 1 Samuel 7, and Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel saying, if ye do return unto the Lord, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, 
Then put away the strange gods and Ashtroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. You see, lamenting is nothing unless it is moved to action. Lamenting ought to return to calls us to return, to repent, to start on the inside. He said, return and repent unto the Lord with all your hearts. How many knows that the change that we need in our community, the change we need in our community, the change we need in MPC, it comes from a heart that says, I lament, I'm returning to you, Lord, and then put away the strange gods. That means an action on the outside. I want to tell you today, We're missing it. Our nation is missing it. We're missing it. What we see is a surface symptom. What you see on the news is a surface symptom. What you see around is a surface symptom. But I want to tell you there is a spirit at work to try to prevent the outgrowth and the rapture of the church. There is a spirit at work to make sure to squelch revival and make sure that there's nothing but division and fear and chaos and harm. Amen. And I want to tell you, you can pray here and God do something in Minneapolis. You can pray here and God do something in Indianapolis. You can pray here and God can do something in Louisville. Amen. What will it take? It'll take a church that bears their face before God and says, I, I lament. I lament. Where we are ought to tear us to shreds. Take action. Oh, I, my heart is so full, so full. I'm going to be very careful what I say. Because if some, some may not be at a place yet to receive this in their spirit. But I want you to hear me. The enemy is working behind the scenes in all of this. And the concern is the seduction that can grab a hold of the church. Here's what I see. The mob mentality, I'm just going to follow along because it looks right. I'm not talking about racism. I'm not talking about rioting. I'm talking about the voice that compels us to comply because it's popular or it's convenient. And it may be right, but is it not the wooing of the enemy to pull us into the mentality of every little thing that comes along? My dad taught me, son, don't be the first one to pick up anything new and don't be the last one to lay down anything old. I believe that and that's in my spirit. But I see... I see as your watchman on the wall that there is an enemy at work behind the scenes, hidden behind all the vet mess, and it's trying its best to cause a disaster. But what's going to change it is a lamenting church that cries out to God and says, we return to you, Lord. We will get rid of our idols. We will get rid of the things that prevent us from being in your presence. And we will prepare our hearts to serve you only. You know what's strange is evidently Israel took on Ashtroth and Baal and mingled it with the worship of Jehovah, thinking that they were just simply enhancing their worship, not realizing they were polluting their worship. 
Then he said in verse 4, Samuel said, or tells us that the children of Israel did put away Balaam, the male idol, and Ashtoreth, the female idol, and serve the Lord only. Somebody say, serve the Lord only. Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Verse 6, and they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. This is the picture of repentance. It is the picture of saying, not my brother, not my sister, not those that I see protesting or those that I see rioting, not those on the media, whether left or right, but it's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. I want to make sure that my heart is right with you because if my heart is right with you, then my attitudes about people will be right with you. Hear me today. My heart has got to be right with God before my, my relationship with people will be right. Love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart with all of thy mind and all of thy strength and with all of thy soul and then love your neighbor as, itself, as yourself. Amen. What is it? What do you say, Pastor? I'm saying in this hour that we're in and we're in such a haze, it's time for the church to renew the, the lost art of lament, the lost art of weeping because of the condition of our, of our family, of our community of those that are lost with, around us. Israel came before the Lord and they lamented after the Lord. They wept. They cried. They affirmed their commitment to God. It worries me and concerns me when I see people taking up strange gods. Strange gods. What does that mean? Anything that's between me and the Lord is a strange God. So the answer is return to lament. Psalm 50 and 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 18 verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord. I will cry unto the Lord. That's what he's saying. Who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved with my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. And then he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried. I lamented unto my God and he heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even unto his ears. Amen. I want to tell you when the church get serious about their relationship with him and the world's relationship with him. Amen. It's going to move us to the point of lament. The point of the tears fall. The point that we begin to weep before the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm 107 and 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saveth them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. 
and the children of men. Jump down to verse 28. Psalm 107 and verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh a storm calm so the waves are still. I want us to reclaim today the lost art of lament. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.